0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Gwinnett Podcast. I'm Nate McGill, one of the hosts. Today on the show, we are talking to Accent Roofing, We're talking to Tommy and Philip Scrivens. Tommy founded the company, Philip is the president. And man, we have a great conversation today. We're talking all about how to treat your clients, how to make an impact uh, on people in your community. We're talking about returning uh, the investment the community's made, uh, if you will, on some incredible. Great projects with Habitat for Humanity and Everett's Music Barn, Harvest Community House, some of the uh, the local staples that they've been able to help restore and do some work for. So, pretty amazing conversation. Uh, can't wait for you to meet these guys. Let's uh, let's jump right in. All right, so let's let's hop right in. Um, so we have Tommy, we have Philip here. We are going to get into all things accent roofing, but what we want to start off with is really the origin story. I just love hearing how businesses get their start, and it's very rare that we get to talk to a father and son duo in the role of owner and the role of president. So really want to hear from you guys about the dynamic, the story. And, um, and I guess the different chapters of, of Accent Roofing. So, right. Tommy, you, it started with you. So why, why don't you kind of give us that backstory story? All our,
1: right. Well, first of all, Nathan, thanks for inviting us yeah, in. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you introduced me as the owner. Um, we are now referring to me as Roofer Emeritus.
0: Oh, I like that. I love <laughs> it. Yes. I'm, about,
1: I'm about halfway out the door, uh, but there's some things that I'll always be involved in, uh, primarily cheerleading. Uh, we're in very good hands, and I feel good about that. But anyway.
0: You know, honestly, I expected a roofer to start off talking about getting older with shingles jokes.
1: (laughs) The only (laughs) roofing humor I allow myself is I tell people I have worked my way down the ladder. Ah, There you go. I like it. So every profession should have at least one in the bank. But uh, very few people grow up wanting to be a roofing contractor, Hmm. and I'm no exception to that. I won't tell you that it's six. I mean, I was looking at baseball cards, and I wanted to be Willie Mays. Yeah, there you go. In uh, the mid-70s, believe it or not, it was fairly hard to get a job, and I was in my freshman year of college, so my uh, former girlfriend, we parted on amicable terms, my former girlfriend's dad ran a roofing business. I wrote to him by old-fashioned snail mail in February of 1976, and I said, Mr. Kenny, is there any chance you could put me to work for your roofing company uh, this summer? Yeah. He wrote back. And he said, I'll try to keep a job open for you. Happiest day of my life. I've never, wow. been, I've never been hired anywhere for anything that thrilled me more than getting that letter. And that job paid two seventy-five, dollars and uh, I worked like a rented mule. Mm. And I really impressed him. But that was hot. That was commercial uh, built up. Wow. So I ran the, the the asphalt cart, learned a little bit about the kettle and the 460-degree asphalt. Yeah. Really, ran a mop, ran felt. Uh, you know, dark to dark 30 all summer long. And that 275 was just precious. I mean, I, don't, I can't remember what my check is, but I remember <laughs> taking a girl out to yeah. eat. For the first time ever, I had a dinner date at a pretty fancy steakhouse. And we must have had some little flare-up and she wasn't touching her food. And I remember saying, that's two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs>
0: You know so, how long I had to work for that? Yeah. Come on now.
1: Yeah, so I continued to work summers for the next couple summers, and you know I tell people I worked my way, I roofed my way through college. At some point, I guess I felt like, as every uh, roofer does, I felt like I knew more than the boss, so I went out and started knocking on doors and trying to get my own work, and mm-hmm. uh, and continued to do that. As a matter of fact, by the time I finished school, I'm not going to say I had a name, but within you know around the University of Iowa, the Iowa City area. I had made enough of an impression on the banker that as I went in there to close my account, he said, can you come in and talk to me? He says, there's only one big roofer in this town. Why don't you stay? Wow. And we'll back you. But, you know, after you've gone through it, you know, you keep promising your wife, hey, baby, I'm yeah. going to I'm gonna take off these these dirty yeah. roofing clothes someday and we're going to go. So uh moved to Georgia from, from Iowa and uh, I worked as an engineer for several years and, but Back in those days, they hadn't invented ADD, and my mother was a teacher. And even if I had it, she wouldn't have allowed mm. it. So it was just, you sit still, and make it happen. Right? Mm. But I was always stir crazy, always mm. been, you know, always been wired tight, and had a hard time just sitting still. And not only that, but we were committed to Kathy staying at home. Uh, you know, when the kids were little, right. So I started moonlighting in roofing repair in Atlanta. I see. And one day I came, so it was evenings and Saturdays. And one day I came home, I said, "Honey." You won't believe this town. All you gotta do is show up and be honest and people hire you.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. And I
1: said, I want to do this. I hear I'll choose. Now when deal.
0: was that? What, what what was year was that? That was nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah, so it was booming here. Yeah. We were yeah. we were grow we were in a that, that strong early growth period where it yep. just kind of had a yep. steady rise from there.
1: And I was working for the oldest roofing company in town. They're not in business anymore, but they were down mm. in Buckhead on Piedmont Road, and I'd just go out at night, I'd sell repairs, I'd do them, I'd do them on weekends. One day I came home, I said, baby. I want to go into the roof business for five years, I promise you. I'll get rich in five years, yeah. and then we'll go do something else. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, she's, she's a very good woman. She mm-hmm. said, well, I think you're crazy. It's yeah. dangerous. It's hot. It's yeah. dirty.
0: You really want to do that.
1: You really want to do yeah. that. I'm, I'm in it. Mm-hmm. So five years came and went. We weren't rich, but I felt like we were picking up a little bit of steam, mm-hmm. a little bit of traction. So we just hung in there, and uh, over the course of the years, I tell people the, the, the big changing, there's been several turning points, but one for me is, when you go from a desk job to being a roofer, there's something about it that makes you not proud of it. Mm. And the day that I decided to be proud of my profession, mm. I decided to become a gentleman roofer,
0: mm.
1: everything changed. Wow. And uh, I won't say the rest is history because there's been a lot of work in the meantime, a lot of it done by that guy. there. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, but that's pretty much how it started. And wow. Yeah.
0: Just kind of shows your mindset and the way you the way you think about your day when you get up in the morning really kind of affects the whole rest of it and your cap your capability for success there too. So so Philip, maybe you can talk a little bit about what was it like growing up uh, in, in the in the roofing <laughs> family? You know, like nice. Did you did you think you would be in the chair you were in?
2: Uh, um. You know, I've been around it since, uh, you know, as far back as I can remember. I used to go on estimates with him when I was a kid, and back then we didn't have a fleet. We had a ranchero. I think I used (laughs) to play on the work (laughs) truck in the driveway. That's Um, awesome. But yeah, yeah, as long as I could remember. I did not at the time think that I was going to be a roofer when I grew up. Right. Um, I thought I was going to be a professional athlete. Yeah, of 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 course. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And you played a lot of sports, right? I did. I played football and baseball. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I went through school and high school, I used to work in the summers, but I started as young as 13, just working sure. on it as a ground guy at some of the jobs, picking up trash. So I started literally yeah. from the bottom. Yeah. Um, after high school, went off to college, um, came back, and in the summers, I learned to be a, a roof repairman okay. and um, eventually joined the army and when i got out of the army and came back it was kind of around the time that one of the big storms hit so okay. that's when things really started to take off and i started trying to get serious about yeah. it yeah okay and i see yeah so
0: i mean was there just a bad enough storm where you just needed all the hands on deck all all everybody needed to show up well for me i mean call do, you in or was it just it happened and you were back.
2: It was the first big storm that I, that I can remember. I wow. mean, it was yeah, it was it was new to us. Atlanta, as mm-hmm. far I mean, we really were not a storm town at that time.
1: Oh, okay, I see. So,
2: so it was a new thing for for at least for me. I think That's it was pretty new for you as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'll tell you, uh, you know, he he kind of messed around with it, and and he'd go out and you know I'd call him an earner. He'd drive around looking for shingles missing, and he'd go up to the door and say, "Can I do those for you?" and Wow. That was before the you
2: now people drive around look for those to turn in as an insurance claim. Back then I would just knock on the door, say, Hey, you got some missing shingles, I'll replace them for forty bucks. But but here's where the
1: here's where the Iowa here's where the Iowa DNA comes in. Mm -hmm. I grew up where the convention, if you were a well mannered boy, you'd shovel the sidewalk, walk beans, whatever. Mm -hmm. And when it got time to pay, they'd say, What do we owe you? Mm -hmm. And if you were well raised, you'd say, Whatever you think is fair. Mm And so Philip did these roof repairs, and he'd mm-hmm. go to the door and say, whatever you think is fair.
0: Yeah, and wow. the cool,
1: And the cool part is, he'd bring the money to me. Sometimes I didn't even know he was out there. Wow. He'd walk in the house, and he'd put $150 on the table, and he'd say, how much of that is mine? <laughs>
0: wow. Man.
2: It was
1: a nice gig for a 16-year-old. <laughs>
0: Heck yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was boiling peanuts, you know. <laughs> That's wild. But I, but I
1: think that trust between he and I has existed since day one. I'll tell you. I, I don't want to out him too much, but you know, being my son, he's had a, an occasion or two in his younger days to borrow some money from time to time, <laughs> and, he, and he has always repaid it. I'll never forget. Uh, I don't know what it was for. It might have been for a, a vehicle when he was in his early 20s, mm. and it probably came to $3,000, mm. and I walked in the office one day, and there's an envelope on my desk, and it said, even Stephen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I opened it up and it was every dime.
0: Yep. Yeah. So. No strings attached. You got it. Mm-hmm. you got to pay off the folks, you know. You just have to do that. But yeah, I was, I was raised kind of very similar way, you know. It's just you you have a you, you learn a lot of values when you're younger by by doing that and also getting to work early. I remember, and this is a roofing story, so it does apply. There we go. But um uh, when I was younger, I wanted a motorcycle. I wanted uh I guess it was a cousin's motorcycle it was a small 1980 something yamaha enduro 100 i'll never forget Mm -hmm. it and i wanted this bike so bad but uh parents said well if you want it you're gonna have to pay for it and you know i I don't even remember how much it was a couple hundred bucks you know it was enough to where i was probably i don't know 12 i was probably 13 14 something like that and um anyway uh short story long, my grandpa said, well, if you want to earn the money, you can, you can come over here and help me do this roof repair for a friend uh, of the family. So I ended up on a roof. Uh, and man, it, it's tough work. You're up there and, and you're
1: you know pulling Nathan. nails and ripping out old shingles Nathan. and throwing them down in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> our, our very best client at the top of the list of uh-huh. people that we prefer to work for is a guy who's done a little roofing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> is that a joke? <laughs> well it's only a joke because truth is at the root of all humor right?
0: <laughs> yeah no it's true yeah you know you, it's 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 hard it's tough work you know yeah, yeah. and what was so crazy about that story is that um at the same time we took our dog to a vet my this mm-hmm. dog that i had and i love this dog and um they told him he had, look, this dog's not going to live. He needs a surgery. He's got these heartworms, and he's just, he's not going to make it. He's got like a year. And the surgery was about the same cost as a motorcycle. So mom taught me a lesson. And she said, um, Nathan, if you can take that money and you can get the surgery for your dog or you can buy the motorcycle. And so I prayed about it. And, um, And I thought the vet was lying. I said, there's no way that this dog, I'm watching him play. I'm watching him jump around. He's a healthy dog. Mom, are you sure? Like, he's supposed to have symptoms, whatever. She's like, no, I'm telling you, you know, you just need to do the right thing, Nathan. I did not believe her. I was a stubborn child. I bought the motorcycle and the dog lived 12 more years. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all. He this didn't story. have
0: it. He just, I knew it. Yeah. And, and so my lesson mom taught was to go with your gut. If you know it, you know. That's so. a great
1: story. And parents out there everywhere are rolling their eyes. Right, like, yeah, you just yeah, set back yeah, the yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah,
0: Well, that's my only roofing story that I have, gentlemen. I'm sure you do have a lot, yeah. and, and you might have some favorites. And I'd love to kind of hear uh as you kind of grew maybe what the stages were what kind of customers you were dealing with i know you guys have a strong strong focus on repairs and you mentioned earlier not just driving around trying to replace a whole roof i mean there's a lot of that going on maybe you guys can speak to that a little bit
1: you want to take that i guess you know repairs to this day you know Mm roof emeritus I said, I'll let go of everything. And frankly, I'm having a hard time not being a dictator. Mm. I mean, I can't swing a cat anymore without <laughs> talking to everybody. But it's great because, you know, the baton has been passed off and there's mm-hmm. very capable people. And, and you know, good people have an appetite for upward mobility. So I just have to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And and it's great. But one of the things I retained is, is some influence over the repair department. And mm-hmm. we talk about that later as we talk about trends because it really is fascinating from a demographic standpoint. There's a lot really going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. in a repair department. But yeah, I mean, the, you know, in Georgia, there's essentially no area, barriers to entry in the first place to, to the roofing right. industry. But in repairs, it was even less barriers. Mm-hmm. So I started doing what I could afford to do. I, I, couldn't, afford I, a, I couldn't afford a conveyor. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, I had the Ranchero, which mm-hmm. if you don't know what a Ranchero is, it's an El Camino made by Ford. Oh
0: yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. <laughs> it was brown. My dad was, still uh, has
0: one out in the yard. I mean, I'm Georgia guys. <laughs> yeah, man. And you can, you know, the
1: beauty is you can, the beauty is you can lean over from the side and get anything. Whereas a pickup is up a little higher. You can't do that. I that wish that true. Had, yeah. I wish they'd have kept making them, but, uh, eight miles a gallon, baby. Mm. You know? <laughs> oh, wow, Lovely. <laughs> but I started doing repairs and, uh, the beauty, it was, I tell people now, as part of my fiendish marketing plan, if I do a good repair for you and you like me, mm. then I got the inside track when it comes time to replace this. Mm. Well, that has, that really wasn't the marketing plan. It was that repairs were something that turned over quick. People made a decision quick. Right. Very few collection difficulties, very few staging, logistics difficulties. I didn't sure. have to round up a whole crew and, and supervise. It was me. Mm-hmm. And- you know, we built enough of a of a client base that way that we started getting a little bit of of uh, momentum. Yeah, and we said, you know, well, let's just keep it. Now,
0: it's building relationships. It, it, it's but it, great.
1: But it's interesting how things work. Mm. Uh, what's happened now is that reviews have become a big deal, mm. right? Yes, and I'll have this conversation probably. I have this conversation with every guy that wants to rule the world that comes to work here. We gotta do commercial. We get these big jobs. Yeah, and then I have to explain to him: you can do a hospital mm-hmm. and take you a month, and if everything goes right, at the end of the month, you might have one person give you one review. Mm-hmm. You know Not how many one happy customer? You know how many happy clients we can generate? Wow. In the time it takes to do that hospital. And we're not really losing money. When you look at the money that you can that you can turn. And Interesting. It, yeah, well we call it the problems that you can solve in mm-hmm. exchange for money
0: mm. in that time. <laughs> wow. So
1: I can generate 50 happy repair clients in the time that you might generate one happy school client. Wow. So we just kept with it, but. Wow, that's what, wise. But what happened was, well it's forced wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you block mm-hmm. enough punches with your face and you start getting wise. <laughs> but. <laughs> but, but what happened, and this is kind of interesting, is you know, you, you, people, most people don't think, where does a repair tech come from? Where does a guy who knows how to repair a roof come from? Right, okay. And there's only one way, and that's to go back and fix mistakes. Mm. Yeah. So when I was in Iowa, in a town that was too small to absorb scandal, I had to go back and fix my own stuff. And when you fix your own stuff, of course, you're just a curious character. You're looking at it going, What did I do wrong that I don't want to do wrong next time?
0: Mm, That's Yeah.
1: And so I tell people it takes a lot more skill to fix a roof than it does to replace a roof. Mm. There's a joke. Uh, A guy went out. We we saw a lady a year or two ago, and she called us. She goes, I got a leak, and I went and looked at it. I think Philip was with me. He put the drone up there, technology, these Mm. guys today. He comes back. He says, this is what we got to do. It's going to cost you $375. And she said... I got another bid for twelve thousand. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh
0: my god. I
1: mean, we've gotten to the point where honesty is almost suspicious. Yeah. Because she looked at us like, well, what? I got twelve thousand, and you guys tell me what the difference is. Whoa. And that. Guy, what was the difference, Philip? <laughs>
2: Uh, well, that, it's a great point of distinction for uh, roofers, the, the roofing companies that can offer repairs, mm. they, they can give you multiple options. If, if you're a company that only does full roofs, that's going to be your go-to the every the, time. In, yeah, the, yeah. The full blown option, no yeah. matter what your problem yeah. is. I see. And the 12, you got a
0: flat tire. We're going to need a, a new, new car. truck. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And
2: that, and that's what you get. That, I mean, that's the 12, that, that was the $12,000 guy. I actually had yeah. uh, a roofer uh, send somebody to me earlier this week that, And when the guy called me, he said, this guy... Tried to get my insurance to approve the roof. They denied it, but I still have problems. And he said they don't do repairs. That's a very common,
0: very common uh, thing I-
2: here in Atlanta. Yeah. So,
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, it's it's a great point of distinction uh, for homeowners when they're looking for the right roofer. Is yeah. is do they do repairs? And if they do, that's that, that's a more
1: legitimate company for sure. The, I mean, the caveat to that. I got to tell you, the footnote to that story. Uh, we ended up getting the repair, and I really do need to probably warn people. That was several years ago. The odds of getting much repair work done for $375 a day (laughs) are pretty low, right? But it's still less than the cost of replacement. Sure. But but when she said that, I said, well, what's he going to do for that? She goes, I think he's going to replace it. I said, what do you mean? You think he's going to replace it? He says, well, he didn't really explain it. He just came out here and kind of waved his hand over the whole house and said, got to go, got to go, got to go. $12,000. Whoa. So I think he was telling me the old roof's got to go. Yeah. And we'll bring in the new one for (laughs) $12,000.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wasn't very clear there. <laughs> you guys, you guys take a lot of pride. I think that's the thing that really sets you guys apart is is customer service. Uh, you guys talk a lot about it. You guys um, and craftsmanship. Those mm-hmm. are the two things where I see. And we're talking about both already. Um, just kind of behind this, behind the lines, behind everything you guys are saying. I hear craftsmanship, customer service. Is that what sets you guys apart?
1: Okay, so. I want to, you want to play a game yeah. for the rest of the podcast? I would yep. lo- love it. I'm going to challenge you. All right. It's kind of like when they give you a, a card when you walk in a party and I it's see. on your forehead. Okay. See if you can get through the rest of this interview without saying customer and say client instead.
2: Client. Now,
0: what's the difference to you? Well, I'll let Philip tell. All right. Bring really, it on.
2: It's relationship. I, I mean, see. a customer implies a one-time transaction. Mm. Clients, uh, each of our customers, we want to be their roofer for life. So we look at it as a relationship. That's a, a client to us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you were talking about those building those relationships earlier. And you also mentioned, like, just think about how many problems we can solve. Mm-hmm. So really, uh, when when you're working with a client, you are, you are working with somebody who you're just trying to solve their problem. So you're really sure. there to serve. Absolutely. So we're talking about this, this servant
1: and, attitude. And strangely enough, it yeah. turns out to be a win-win. Yeah. You know, I think we just it, to make a societal statement, nobody mm. can really disagree with this. Most transactions are viewed as a zero-sum game. Mm. Somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose.
0: Mm.
1: Why can't everybody win? Right. So that's kind of the difference really between a client approach and a customer approach.
0: I see. I yeah. see. And how many clients have you served Woo-hoo. over the years? Last count, 47,000.
2: 47,000. Yeah. Get out of town. It's on our website. That's how I know it. Yeah, there
0: you go. <laughs> <laughs> we had to update
2: it the other day. So
0: Wow. Man, y'all have been busy. Y'all have been really busy. So take us, we started off in, in the Ranchero. And so let's go to... Where are we at now? Like, what, what does the company look like? What's the growth that you guys have done I'll, to serve that many, that many people?
1: I'll answer that question after I tell you, you said 47000 wow. I'll tell you something that wows me more than that. Yeah. Every client he's ever had, I'm pointing at Philip, mm-hmm, now, okay. is in his contacts. Mm, on his phone? Yeah. Wow. So if, if we did a $500 repair for you 12 years ago, He doesn't answer the phone flat-footed. He'll pick up the phone and say, how you doing, Nathan? Oh, wow. So (laughs) I want to emphasize that of those 47,000, we're pretty determined that nobody falls through the cracks. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a game now. Guys will sell a job. Just happened the other day. Phillip's little brother, my youngest son, sold a roof, put a picture of the selfie with him and the client up there, (laughs) and he says, pops, you sold these people a roof, uh, you know, 25 years ago. Wow. He says, I just want to know if you remember him. And I said, well, number one, the guy still looks like Arnold Palmer. <laughs> and number two, you asked Ms. Wolf if she's still trying to grow the world's hottest peppers. Wow. And She, she was. She was. <clears throat> wow. So.
0: Just taking the time to get to know people. Just really get to know people. Just think about people. Right. Serve people. Exactly. Uh, what, what, what makes you guys like that? What do you think the...
1: It's more fun. Yeah. It's more fun. And, you know, we still have, I told you, small towns can't absorb scandal. Mm. Neither one of us run, wants to run into somebody at the bank mm. uh, or, or run into somebody at Kroger. Years ago,
0: mm.
1: we had remodeling done in the bathroom in our personal residence. And my wife called me and she says, uh, hey, this guy wants a little deposit. Should I give it to him? I said, why not? Yeah. Mm. We like the guy. Why not? I get home that day. The entire contract was $2,200. Did I say remodeling? He was, he, was, he was doing some stuff. It wasn't like a... Right. It was $2,200. Mm-hmm. I, I had the bid and I approved it. And I, I came home and I said, did you give that guy the deposit? She said, yeah. I said, how much did you give him? She says, $1,900. <laughs> okay, now you know. The details change, but the story's all the same. Mm. We never saw the guy again. Mm. And I ran into him at a restaurant in Buford, of all things, about a year later, wow! And the guy saw me coming, and he turned his back and walked away. And we don't ever want to have to do that. Mm-hmm. So we invest in getting to know people, and you know, we tell them uh, one of our things is: don't hire the guy who's never who says he's never had a leak. Start, hire the guy who's made every mistake there is to make and doesn't want to repeat it on your house. Mm. And. So we want people to have that level of assurance. It's just in the at the end of the day, you know, we sleep better, everybody gets along better, and everybody wins. Mm. So it's not some virtuous thing. There's some virtue to it, but it's almost kind of accidental. We, we just want to be able to look people in the eye and, and walk with our head held high. Yeah. It's also a point of
2: pride. I mean, we really want to be the best at what we do. I know that's kind of a platitude, but at the end of the day, that's what we're shooting for is being the absolute best.
0: Yeah. Well, I think if, when you are best relationally with, your clients—that's kind of the thing. I'm trying not to say customer. You, you catching this? I'm
1: keeping the challenge. Yeah. I got <laughs> I Roman numerals that, going actually. over here. But people—people
0: people can be best in a lot of ways. They can say, "Okay, well, we got the best materials. We got the best techniques. We've got the new scientific, you know, way to do things. We got a new app mm-hmm. that measures stuff. And and of course, we put technology in. But if you don't have the relational side, you're not going to relate to people because when I have a problem of any sort, I'm looking for somebody that's an expert and that's good at what they do. But that's mm-hmm. like the baseline. Right. Like if you don't know how to do this, then you don't, sure. you're not going to work that yeah, day, right? I want
1: to emphasize.
0: But yeah, you, but the relational part is that's where best is found. Is, is but right you will,
1: right there. And this is intentional. You will not see any claim in any kind of marketing communications that we do. You'll never see us say we're the best. Mm. You might see us say we're devoted
0: mm-hmm.
1: or you know we're trying to be, But the Mm -hmm. fact is, we haven't met every other roofer, so Mm -hmm. we don't have an objective measure. You won't hear you won't hear Kirby Smart say we're the best football team in America.
0: Well, it doesn't like that's that's one of the things that we try to explain to people when it comes to what we do with with Best of Gwinnett because what that is is it's your customers telling you that you're the best. Right. Right, right. And so it's a total different thing. Like that's what matters is Mm -hmm. that your clients, your Mm -hmm. customers, I did say customers twice, so mark that off of the The score
1: is three to two. You're still winning. Ah, (laughs) Man,
0: but but you see, that, that when you when you have um these relationships that take the time to actually go put in a review, put in a vote. Yeah. and say, you know what, those people are, are awesome. I mean, that's really what they're saying is like, you know what? I like that guy, you know? Mm-hmm. I they did a great job. And, you know, of course, like that's a relationship and and you guys have proved that that is what leads to being in business uh, for a long time. I don't know that we said how long that you guys have been in business.
2: Well, 30 34 years. When when is it 35?
0: Wow. Oh, it'll be man. 30,
1: it'll be 35 sometime in January.
0: Oh man, so we got a big celebration coming up.
1: You know what's funny, Nathan, is you Mm. see these young guys, they always like to express things in decades. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Have you noticed that? Do a little social experiment. A a guy that's been married 12 years will will say, I've been married over a decade. Oh, yeah. And I think it's because... The, there's a perception that decades are longer than years. I take the exact opposite <laughs> approach. You know, yeah. thirty-four years of them, and every one was hard earned. And I'm not going to skip over them ten at a time.
0: There you go. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, some of the some of my favorite things uh, to, to watch you guys do is the work you're doing for the for the community. Uh, you guys are working with Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. You guys do a lot of work out there. You've restored some of my favorite places here in Gwinnett, whether it be the Harbin's Community House, which I had almost every family reunion ever in. Really? I didn't know Let me know tell that. you, my great-grandpa gra- great owned 60 acres farm off of that road. Mm-hmm. So the community house is where my grandmother went to school, um, all of her sisters, brothers, uh, right there in Harbin's. And so that building, we, we would have big meals at. we would have all kinds of, uh, all kinds of stuff. I mean, Mm -hmm. it it was like, uh, we would go there often as a kid and to see it kind of fall into disrepair or, or, or to see anyone who might step in to help, uh, restore any part of that, um, was a big deal. And so I saw you guys out there, Putting a new roof on that thing, and I'm like, "How did that happen?" Because you know, like, whoa, that's amazing! What yeah. a contribution! And then also, uh, Everett's uh, Music Barn. Yep. Oh man, that that you was cool. Project. That. Maybe yep. talk about a little bit, like,
2: why do this? What What are you doing? What's the What's the uh, strategy behind that?
1: You You connected with uh, the music hall. I did, and it gives me goosebumps to yeah. this day. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, you know, you won't you won't see us say give back. Mm. Uh, we like to say return mm. and there are those who will hear this and understand the distinction, and those wow. who don't either okay. way, good is good right, no matter the motive sure mm. but but we look at it as returning mm. and uh returning what doesn't belong to us in the first place wow if you if you know what i mean yes now we've had a philosophical uh we 've had a philosophical talk mm-hmm. within the company that The left hand is not supposed to know what the right hand is doing. So do you toot your horn on these benevolent things or not? Mm. And I don't think he'll mind me mentioning his name. In fact, I know he won't. (laughs) Uh, I had the privilege of meeting one of Gwinnett's leading philanthropists, a gentleman by the name of Clyde Strickland. Oh, I love Clyde. In my work with Uncle Pigskin, Mm -hmm. Coach Carrera says, you gotta meet this guy, Clyde. Mm -hmm. And he tried to set me up to meet Clyde. He says, he's (laughs) he's gonna quote scriptures to you and all this stuff. And the way that Coach Carrera described him, I, I expected to meet a very hard-to-get-along-with religious guy.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Clyde comes walking in, and the first thing he says to me is, never met me in his life. He says, do you hate meetings as much as I do? I said, <laughs> <laughs> That
0: sounds just like him.
1: Yeah, I said, yes, I do. And, Love it. And, but the way I've been prepped for him was, Clyde's got his name on this building. Clyde's got his name on that building. You know, Clyde's got more money and Carter's got little liver pills and you uh-huh. and but then in the same breath they'd say you're going to love Clyde and I'm thinking, well, how can those two things exist? You know, right. the guy mm-hmm. you're making it sound like this guy is so full of himself. I'm mm-hmm. not going to love him. Mm-hmm. Plus he's going to exasperate me with religion. Mm-hmm. Nothing could be further from the truth. I called mm-hmm. Carrera. I said, there is no way to prepare anybody to meet Clyde Strickland. There's what not. what a saint of a man. I love that man. But More importantly, he's become kind of my mentor about how to look at whatever prosperity you have, how to distribute it. And the way he tells it, we we had that talk about left hand, right hand. And he said, you probably wonder about these these names on all these buildings all over the place. He said, Mm -hmm. let me tell you something. The first time I donated money in a big way, it was for a a medical wing at Gwinnett. Mm -hmm. And they came to me and they said... We want you to put your name on there. He says, I will not do it. Mm -hmm. And then he went home, and his wife was talking to him. and She said, I think you ought to, Clyde. Mm -hmm. And he he told her the left-hand, right-hand thing. Mm -hmm. But she's his paracleta. She's his voice nearby to help him see things correctly.
0: Godliest woman in the world. Okay, and she
1: says to him, but Clyde, maybe if you put your name up there, other people will be inspired. Mm -hmm. He says, so I trusted her, and I did it. And my one million dollars turned into ten million dollars within a month. Oh yeah, yeah. So he said basically the lesson is as a corporation mm-hmm. or as a bigger entity, if you share your name, some it might inspire others to mm-hmm. get going. So oh, yeah, for so sure. so we will, So our philanthropic philosophy is when we replace a roof for an individual, it's up to them because mm-hmm. if you're in a position where you not. yeah yeah. If we don't, you know, like the show where they they pull the curtain, if you're in a position where you need a roof, maybe maybe it's because of things that you'd rather not have the whole world know about.
0: Mm.
1: So we let individual clients decide if this is going to be anonymous or if we can use it, you know, to, Mm. to inform the community. Um, our, our, our material sponsor, GAF, is the same way. They say, if the, if the client doesn't want this being known, then we don't need credit for the, our material being out there. Mm-hmm. So it's always on an individual basis. Obviously, the Harbin's Community Center said, hey, toot, toot your horn, toot our horn, everybody wins, yeah, we keep trucking. Tommy Everett was the same way. He says, you can put a big banner out front. Well, that that, that caused a little bit of a thing because they were already in the process of raising money. Mm-hmm. And when I went to meet Clyde, a friend of mine, called me and said, hey, Everett's Music Barn is doing a fundraiser for the roof. You ought to come over. He was only inviting me to listen to music. Mm. And I walked in there, and I heard the story, and I heard the musicians, and I saw the coffee can at the front door. There's no admission. You, you, you I know, know yeah. they, they run off a coffee can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I just sat there, and I mean, the deal was done. I said, wherever yeah. they are, we got to make up the difference. So Tommy will tell the story, and he's much funnier when he tells it than me. <laughs> I tried to pin him down. You know, they have this yeah. fundraiser, and he's running yeah. all over the place. And yeah. uh, I said, hey, Tommy, you know, he shook my hand. Good to meet you. Glad you're here. Yeah. I said, could I talk to you for a second? He says, what do you want to talk about? I said, well, we'd like to help. He says, coffee can's at the front door. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I went and I sat down, and I listened to a few more songs. Yeah, and I thought, yeah. How am I going to get to this guy? I mean, he's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so, but I had to go. And so finally I went up to him again. I said, Tommy, I really need to talk to you. And yeah. he says, that's great that you want to help, man. Just throw it in the coffee can because I gotta do this, that, and the other. Yeah. And and I said, I really, if you could give me five minutes. Yeah. When Kathleen got in, because I had met Kathleen, uh, whose partner uh-huh. Uh, she actually bought the Everett's Music Barn to allow it to continue to be what it is Fantastic. years ago. Mm-hmm. So Kathleen kind of served as the neutral. And mm-hmm. Tommy and I walked outside and I said, I don't know where you are in your fundraising, but whatever, wherever you are, you can stop. Mm. And Accent will take care of the difference. So fast forward, when he said, put a banner in the yard, we struggled with the verbiage because they had raised about 20% of what it was going to cost. I see, yeah. And I said, well, we can't insult the people that put money in the coffee can in good faith. So what did we come up with? What did the sign say? I think it said... Accent Roofing and Friends. Yeah,
0: that's I right. see. Indeed. Okay.
1: Yeah. Emily came up with that. That's how, do we, good. how do we honor the people that? Yeah. So that you know we don't steal the show. It's
0: fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. But you know
1: what? I, I I've been negligent. I'm so sorry. I should have brought you an Everett's mug. Uh, <laughs> he gave us you know, <laughs> yeah
2: a couple we, dozen. We well, we'll have to just all go out to the music barn. How about that? You know, go get you a mug get go a mug. see us a show. Yeah. yeah. I'll yeah.
1: tell you something though. A seat at Everett's Music Barn is gonna become like getting into Augusta someday. I believe that with all my heart. The musicians that they bring in oh, it's and the, unbelievable. And the limited seating, it's gonna be hard to get in there. So if you're listening, mm. get to Everett's Music Barn for some fantastic bluegrass and just a, a, a an inimitable yeah. there's no other atmosphere like it. There's and not. We're it's, happy.
0: It taps real real deep into the to the roots around. I gotta here tell you
1: too. one more thing about Everett's though. So it's a beautiful metal roof. They've got the house where the musicians warm up and so forth. Mm-hmm. You see that from the road. Then you pull in and there's the barn. Mm-hmm. And then there's a little bathroom. So I'm all proud at home. I tell Kiadi, hey, we're doing Everett's Music Barn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a couple of days go by. I said, let's go over and look at Everett's Music Barn. Mm-hmm. And we pulled in there. And I mean it's this great big barn and this perfect, gleaming, beautiful metal roof. <laughs> and my wife says, What is that?
0: Oh my goodness, there you go. I mean It's that attention to detail. That 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 <laughs> outhouse only a wife can provide. That
1: that bathroom is is a shed. I mean, it's nothing. Oh. And I said, she said, Aren't you gonna do that? And I said, No, we're doing the barn. Yeah. She says, Do you have any idea? How cheap that makes you look. Oh, my goodness. And I said, well, now. Raising <laughs> <dude."> <laughs> the standard. I saw the drone photos. It was a good move to do that section. There you go. It was a great move, but yeah. I overlooked it. I didn't wow. even think, but yeah. I'm, a, I'm a guy, so yeah. I can be forgiven. That, that's why we need them, right? you Yeah, know? yeah. Right. At attention sure. to detail. What
2: was the one? It was the Decula uh, yeah, Community we, Center?
0: Yeah, the Harbin's Community uh, House. Um was the other, and um, also want to talk about y'all's Habitat for Humanity uh, work. That's, well yeah, is that, that, that that was, was part of community it. Also. Okay, I so see. We're
2: partnered with the Gwinnett Habitat for Humanity and mm. that, and so see. a couple times a year they'll tell us they need a roof replaced, and we try to help them out whenever they uh, have an opportunity.
0: Yeah, that's just awesome that you guys are doing that. Now there you know, is a
1: there is a sneaky plan. We talked about the sneaky repair marketing plan. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't a plan. It just turned out to be a plan. <laughs> It's occurred to us that we have a sneaky plan with habitat too, mm-hmm. and that is, you know, we talked about Uncle Pigskin. Mm-hmm. Our dream is Pigskin Village.
0: Mm, I see. Well, let, let's yeah. let's Go ahead. explain Uncle Pigskin in case we haven't mm. gone into it. Because let's take a few minutes to do that um, bef- before we end. I want to make sure we get to that.
1: That's your baby. I mean, right. uh, Pigskin. <laughs> uh, I, well, we're, we're, we're the founder and the primary sponsor of a mini, micro-ministry, I call it. And I think the future of all benevolence is micro-ministry. You mm. see a problem and you feel like the Lord is calling you to be part of the solution, go do mm. it. Yeah. You know, you don't have to start a big foundation. You just have to start. You have to start. Mm-hmm. And you roll up your sleeves and there's it's so much. it's so satisfying because if there's any money, you know where it's going. You know, and if people give, they know where it's going. And boy, people love to know the cause and effect between their returning and what's happening. Mm. So, about seven years ago, you know, we our our sons grew up in Gwinnett County. They went to a very prosperous high school. You know, they had everything they needed. Uh, you know, they played in the Georgia Dome. They had a great football program, and it just always bothered us that Meadow Creek got beat sixty nine to nothing Friday night. Yeah. Mm. Because you drive by and you'd go, well, they got to have the same number of kids as as the schools they're playing against, and they probably have some good athletes. So I called the coach one day. I said, you know, what's the problem down there? He says, can you come down and talk to me tomorrow morning? Well, you know how busy football coaches are. Mm -hmm. A, he picked up the phone. B, he wanted to see me right away. So we talked about it, prayed about it the night before. We didn't have a name for this Im- this ministry, and we just came up with Uncle Pigskin, which we're not going back on because it's a really cool name. Mm-hmm, sure. But anyway, so we started uh, serving the kids on the football team, and particularly what's come from that is a mission statement that our mission is to promote racial healing by serving single-parent athletes and their mothers.
0: Wow.
1: Everything That's- from
2: giving them a ride to – practice and helping them with the plan after high school
1: mm-hmm. you know that's the immediate goal is that no kid in you know in our, in our tagline is it's not about football yeah, it's, it's just great about if they win games but that's yeah that's secondary
0: there's so much more that it's happens a, it's about, in about in the sports. fact
1: yeah it's about the fact that here you got kids their mom's already at work so they can't get a ride to school so they get themselves out of bed they get mm-hmm. on the bus early you know how early high school the bus would oh, yeah they start You know, they go through the day, they keep their grades high enough to stay eligible, they don't get in trouble. And then a lot of times they're practicing on a reduced price, a reduced calorie lunch. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then they're walking home, you know, uh, starving. Because their mom's on the second job and they miss the bus and nobody can come get them, so you know the, it's we, a tough situation. We yeah. set, we we solved that problem. Uh, a church was gracious enough to, to gift us a van, which we call the Neighborhood to Brotherhood Express. Nice. And so we can get some kids home that way. We've started a nutrition table. You know, their their weights up, their strengths up, and all this uh, th- this stuff. But but the Uncle Pigskin thing, I can't remember what started with that, but. Um, Know, yeah, that's where we're at. It's, now. A, it's a fantastic. Well, so, I know what it was. It was, the huma- it was the humanitat of mm-hmm. the hab- habitat. Habitat uh, for humanity. So yeah, as you know, East Lake is kind of the beacon all over the world for racial healing and resurgence in, uh, you know, communities that are mm. underserved. Well, you know, ultimately the thing with Uncle Pigskin is you can do all you, you can buy all the computers you want, but if the kid shows up not in a headspace to study because of something that's going on at home. It doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, We saw that with COVID. We really mm. had a hard time with COVID because the kids didn't have what they needed at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, our executive director is fantastic. He's like the Pied Piper of these boys. I mean, mm. they love him and he has his finger on the pulse. So we're not guessing with our mm-hmm. money. You know, We know there's a need, and, and whether it's housing, uh, whether it's nutrition, But our goal is that every kid in that program graduates knowing what his next step is going to be. Right. But our dream since November of 2016, you know, fast forward seven years, we're not there yet. But we've kind of used East Lake, Mm -hmm. Tom Cousins, kind of inspired us. If we could provide housing for kids that find themselves couch hopping, you know, it's like Blindside, you know, the movie. Mm
2: -hmm. And there's
1: a surprising amount of them. Well, the biggest Mm -hmm. problem, the biggest problem at Meadow Creek is your star quarterback on Friday night night might not show up on Monday morning because his mom came home and said, we're behind on rent, we gotta go.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that in, before we came along, it, and mom said that the kid would go
2: mm-hmm.
0: and
1: they disappear. We wouldn't even know where he was. Wow! So at least we've gotten to the point now where if mom comes home and says, we gotta leave, the boy doesn't want to because he mm-hmm. feels taken care of and he feels like he's got a ministry that he can rely on and Michael that he can mm-hmm. rely on. But what we're trying, what we're shooting for down the road is uh, Pigskin Village would be a small gated community of habitat-style homes. I see. Wow. Of any size, maybe twenty-four, so that the single mom, the rents in in Meadow Creek are just ridiculously high. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to find housing. And then a lot of times, we did we had this experience over Christmas. We called it episode of extravagance. There was one very deserving single mom, hardworking, everything you could could mention. But she was in a weekly motel with three kids. Wow. And so we started writing letters and raising money. We raised all the money it took to, to get her into a nice three-bedroom condo, um, Christmas presents, a Christmas tree for the first time in these boys' lives. Mm-hmm. We, had all, we had all that in place, and we couldn't give that money away. When we mm-hmm. started going around trying to place her, she had to go through credit, and the computers were making the decision. And Michael and I wore out our shoes just trying to find an apartment complex that would let her come in. We said, "We'll, we'll, we'll give you the first and last month's rent. We'll guarantee whatever we have to guarantee," and nobody would let her in.
0: That's unbelievable.
1: So, you know, if you're in that position, you're saving money. It, it, it doesn't even occur to you that once I get the money, they're still not going to take me. Mm. So, Pigskin Village would be an opportunity for redemption. Mm. Uh, save some money she could get people in there with with some budget it's advice Big idea
0: i love mm-hmm. it yeah i love it i'm so, uh, very needed it's coming that's um, i don't know
1: when maybe not in my lifetime but it's coming
0: unbelievable guys you guys are doing so much and we've talked we've had a pretty deep conversation doesn't always happen you know when you hear like <laughs> oh we
1: got some contractors
0: coming in here to well it's kind of like podcast. you'll notice you'll like, you know you'll
1: notice our logo is not a roof okay <laughs> I mean, you know, if you look around, I'm not criticizing. Yeah. We don't make our living criticizing. It's like Kirby. Hey, those guys are good. We're going to have to bring our A game to beat them. That's yeah. how we are about other roofers. Hey, A-game. you know, we're going to have to really do well for you to choose us over them. Mm. But we're not going to dog, you know, we're, we're not going to yeah. dog them. But I do, we, we do feel like we don't need a, a roof silhouette in our logo because the name kind of says what we do. Mm. So, so, so our logo is a, a rooster on top of a weather there you go,
2: And it's pointing north
1: it's pointing north north to remind us of true north
2: yeah i love it i love it guys all right
0: so philip what advice would you give homeowners looking to replace their roof before we before we go
2: well, in Atlanta, you've got 6,000 choices of roofers. And as we talked about before, it's not a regulated state. So you've got to be particularly careful who you hire. So mm-hmm. I would go and look for companies that have been in business at least 10 years or more. And uh, the average roofer goes out of business in two years. So wow. if you find one that's been in business 10, they're probably going to be around long enough to honor their warranty. I see. Um, secondly, there's no state roofing trade license. The next best thing is a certification through one of the top three manufacturers. Like for instance, we have uh, GAF Master Elite Certification. That's that's the next step. Also, you wanna look for a robust online reputation. If they've got a five-star rating on one site, but no reviews anywhere else, that's probably a red flag. So Mm. look for several sites where they've got a five-star reputation. Wow. Brick and mortar location. I mean, that's, that's huge. Um, I see. Yeah. Also like we talked about before a repair department that just shows you that that company knows roofing. They're not somebody that was in another business before the last storm and then decided they were going to get in the storm business. And, uh, With no experience in the roofing world. So if you go through all those things, you're gonna end up with there's 6,000 roofers that narrows it down to about 50 and if you get one of those guys to your house There's a very good chance. You're gonna have a great great experience.
1: Oh, man. That's awesome I think that was a fantastic answer, but what I'd like you to do is humor me Mm -hmm. Ask me the exact same question and if you listen very carefully to the subtle distinction between my answer and his answer you'll understand why he's running the show and I'm not. Okay. okay <laughs> All
0: right. So, Tommy, what do you think? What What is your answer to that question? What should folks be looking for when it's time to replace their roof?
1: They should be looking for accent roofing. <laughs> there you go.
0: There you go. There you go. There you go. There's the answer. That's why he's running the show. There's the answer. There's the, You know, is great. What a great answer. There's a lot of information in that. I think most people just don't realize. The thing is, you don't think about roofing a whole lot until you need one, or you have a leak, two or weeks something else is happening. You know what after. I mean? Yeah, that's, that's when you. That. That's when you're thinking about it. So, uh, that's that's good to know. Um, great information, guys. Man, it was wonderful hearing your story. It was wonderful spending some time with you guys. I uh, feel like we're family now, so uh, come back soon. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you having us. Here.
1: Thanks so much, Nathan.
0: And that's how the conversation went down. Guys, subscribe to the show. Just go up in that top right corner on most of your podcast players and hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And until next time, talk to you again soon.